This is Energy Voice Out Loud, leading the global energy conversation. I'm Alistair Thomas, and welcome to our podcast. This week, I'm joined by our digital journalist, Hamish Penman, and after a, a wee hiatus away in glamorous locales, it's Ed Reed. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I mean, it, I, I, it is nice to be back, but it was also nice to be on holiday, so mm. I am torn. Well, I mean, it, it sounds it sounds lovely. It sounds. Lo- Can you tell us where you've where you've been in? What you've been up to? I'm sure. I'm sure th- the people want to know. The people want to know. <laughs> yeah, top quality journalism. Uh, I was, I was in, I was in sunny Jamaica, which was indeed sunny and warm. So, I mean, I came back and decided that uh, life is definitely better in a swimming pool. <laughs> Words to live by. Words to live by. Well, uh, well, hopefully we can all get in the swimming pool soon. But it looks like up here in, in Aberdeen, the, the the weather as we record is is very. Uh, diametrically opposed to what I imagine uh, life in Jamaica is like. So uh, <laughs> sad, sad times. But anyway, uh, well, we'll kick off uh, this week. I think listeners, everyone's been yearning for uh, the dulcet tones of Mr. Reed. So let's uh, let's have him first. And and Ed, we're we're back to Nam- Namibia with a, a big find for uh, Recon Africa. Yeah. Well, so hopefully, hopefully, Alistair. Mm. So 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 Recon Africa. Uh, just to, to cast your minds back, it's a, it's a plucky Canadian uh, upstart. Uh, came to Namibia with a big dream. Uh, initially, they were talking about fracking, which uh, appalled a lot of people, um, raised a lot of hackles. And and I think that's still a, a challenge that they're facing. But but really, they've now uh, distanced themselves from that sort of idea of, uh, of an unconventional sort of shale resource. And they are um, pressing ahead with a, with, with a second round of, of, of exploration drilling. So they drilled two wells last year. Um, they said they found uh, oil and gas shows in both, uh, so that seemed pretty positive. They didn't. They they, they drill those first two wells with uh, on the basis of no seismic at all, so it was a very much a sort of a shot in the dark. It seems to have come together, and now uh, they're they're kind of back to to try and prove up their thesis. So they've now shot some seismic, uh, and I believe they're going to shoot some more. Uh, but yes, so this weekend um, the, the the shareholders were agog with uh, with, with with discussion of of, of, a, of a of a new drilling campaign. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's it's very exciting, and 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 obviously it makes a nice change because uh, Recon Africa's shareholders spend a lot of time telling me that I'm uh, a, a tool for short sellers um, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a and a and a typical you know sort of spawn of the mainstream media. <laughs> So when I when I when I actually write something positive or at least just say oh they they are actually studied drilling, um, they are a lot more keen on on what I have to say. So so that makes a nice change. It's nice not to be uh, not to be uh, slated uh, entirely for a change. But yeah, so it's it's going to be an exciting time. And and this, I mean, it's it, it is a it is potentially significant. So that this first well. Obviously, it's you know it's very early days. Uh, you know the, the 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 sort of the numbers are still uh, extremely speculative. But the, uh, the 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 kind of petroleum consultants have said it may be something like eight hundred million barrels mm. if it comes in, of course. And it's a, that's a big if. Uh, it's it's a still a very frontier basin. Obviously, they've only drilled two wells. They've shot about a thousand kilometers of two D seismic. They haven't reprocessed it all. But it, it 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 does feel like a like a fairly interesting uh, way to do it, and obviously, um, you know, they are have another three wells planned after this first well, um, which should take them through to around the end of the year. So, 
by the end of the year, you know, things should look a bit different. And obviously that kind of feeds into a broader excitement around Namibia. Um, Venus and Graf, the wells drilled by Total Energies and Shell earlier this year, and the obviously in the offshore, which were, you know, reportedly sort of big finds. Uh, Shell has reportedly drilled another well. Total's coming back to drill more appraisals uh, in the sort of the third quarter or so. So it feels like uh, things are possibly on the change for Rukon Africa, but also for, for, for Namibia as a whole. You are a spawn of the mainstream media. Wouldn't have, uh... <laughs> I know. Ah, just tell me about it. Just all, uh, those, all those dirty dollars that I'm getting from short sellers. That's it. That's it. Your corruption <laughs> is just, it, it sickens me, Edward. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, well, I mean, there's yeah quite a few interesting things there. As you say, uh, exploration remains pretty speculative. Uh, I mean, we often talk about the UK kind of being kind of the, the focal point for a lot of environmental groups, but it does look like, um, well, uh, this Green Connection group have been pretty strong here, um, pretty well, I don't know. From from what I read, it looks like they're pretty angry about it. Uh, and I think in the past, I'm going to tread softly here, but I've gone so far as to accuse the company of, of lying and things of that nature. So it sounds like they're... There's a pretty strong feelings here in terms of uh, the environmental argument and, and whether or not they should even go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, to, to, you know, kind of put it in a bit of context, uh, Northeast Namibia is, it's obviously, there are challenges around operations there. The the flora, flora and fauna is, is you know, delicate. Um, so so just before I went away, in fact, I, I spoke to a, to a guy, a, a geologist who's connected to the, to the Green Connection in South Africa, and he was expressing concerns around around the water table. And essentially, they allege that Recon Africa has failed to properly, um, I suppose, sort of insulate the the, 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 the fluids that come out of the well, um, which are in a, in, a, in, a, in a pit. And, and they allege that uh, sort of things like heavy metals, uh, chemicals, things like that may have leached from that pit into groundwater. Which you know is 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 a very hard thing to determine, particularly you know sort of remotely. And obviously they they struggle to get access to it. Recon Africa says it's fine, and that you know they've got precautions in place. But yeah, I mean I, I think that kind of typifies a number of the problems that they've had. I mean, so I, I, I mentioned that sort of opposition around um, around fracking, which is kind of how these things all sort of started at the beginning. Um, but now, you know, it's kind of it's moved on to concerns about the water table um, and 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 the, and the native wildlife. Uh, so we saw problems uh, around uh, when they were shooting the seismic. Apparently, they were cutting sort of fire lines. The, well, the allegation is that they were cutting lines through people's property uh, in 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 ways that weren't uh, entirely authorized. Um, and and obviously you know there's you know the, the, it's it's a, it's an incredibly uh, delicate sort of you know part of the world um, and I mean you know so I think it was was last year uh, Prince Harry wrote a, wrote an op-ed uh, calling for Recon Africa to halt its operations uh, amid concerns around around, around the, the wildlife and also I mean and it, and it continues so when I was at a conference in May in in London one of the one of the one of the things that they were complaining about the, the these environmental protesters was about recon africa it came up again uh, at the g7 meetings which was sort of this weekend in in germany there were protests around around recon africa and around the uh, the the okavango delta so it, it it feels like this is this is clearly not going away mm. 
Um, but obviously, you know, the, 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 the company, you know, for what it's worth, obviously the environmentalists will never believe what the company says. Uh, but the company says it's doing, it's, it's meeting all its obligations. It works very closely with the government and with local communities. It drills water wells. It provides economic opportunities. So yeah, it's it's uh, it it does feel like a like a pinch point. I mean, I think as you say, right, the the UK we see a lot of these kind of protests, you know, kind of cambo. It feels like we've not said that on the pro on the on the on the podcast for a while. I know, <laughs> but but clearly, you know, the kind of the cambo protests. But I mean, I think in in terms of sort of African uh, environmental sort of hot button issues, certainly uh, Recon Africa and the and the Okavango is, is is high up there. Yeah, yeah. I was I was reading this. I was. I, it, the name the they're just calling it the eight two well i mean could we change the name i thought uh, the environmentalists would rightly hate it and i don't suggest we call it but something came up in that i think they called it the kalahari sands in terms of the geology i think that sounds pretty good right that, i mean that sounds a lot cooler great name for a hotel i mean i i think there's there's always a lot to be said for, for companies who really put the effort into naming sort of you know prospects and wells and things I think there's a you know I mean I think you know like your uh, your your fantastic piece about the uh, was it Bond villains in the North Sea Bond villains yes we have a shell basically every every one of their assets is either named after a well not everyone I I, I stand to be corrected but I think many of them are named after either uh, you know birds you might find in the region or indeed uh, Bond villains like uh, <laughs> yeah Jaws and um, I think Odd Job and, and all the rest of it yeah so I remember there was a, there was a company in the US I can't remember who it was called but they had a, a they went through a, a, a stage of naming all their prospects after uh, names for the the big Lebowski in the, <laughs> the, uh, the Coen's film so it was like El Duke Arena and, and and things like that, which um, I mean, I don't I don't know quite how well that turned out for them. I don't know if you know naming after a sort of a slacker bum is is, is quite the thing that you want to do in say pitches to venture capitalists. But I mean, I for one admire the naming convention, so go with it. So do I. I mean, so maybe some people dig it. You know, I, I certainly do. But there we are. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, thanks, Ed. We will, of course, keep our eye on Recon Africa as things develop. But uh, we'll park that for now. And uh, we'll dive into some fact and fiction after this. Energy Voice investigates and reports on what matters in global energy, helping sector leaders understand the geopolitical and economic factors underpinning current events and giving them a view on what's coming over the horizon. Each year, 3.4 million professionals use Energy Voice as a trusted source of breaking news and insight. Subscribers to Energy Voice receive unlimited access to the Energy Voice website, including premium content, free and discounted special reports and additional content, free access to the Energy Voice live app featuring a personalized feed, and priority access to Energy Voice events. For a 30-day free trial subscription to the Energy Voice website and app, visit energyvoice.com slash subscriptions. Join the global energy conversation with Energy Voice. Okay, uh, so we have the story now of an author who has created a novel which centres around the Piper Alpha disaster, which we'll get into. The story that we've written isn't up yet, but it'll be part of our monthly supplement online and in print within the Press and Journal from Monday the 4th. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, and indeed, it comes ahead of the Piper Alpha anniversary uh, next week as we record. So... I've got to be honest, uh, and I think context is really key here, um, but not knowing what this was before I spoke to the author, I, I thought, oh, a novel, a work of fiction involving Piper Alpha in some way, I'm not 
really sure about that. Um, I would say that my opinion has changed having spoken to him. And as I say, context is important. But I mean, what before we dive in, what do you guys think? You know, if you hear about your fictionalizing disasters and things like that, it has been done in the past. Would you guys have a similar reaction? Do you think? Uh, what do you What do you make of that, Hamish? You're joining us from uh, down the phone today. Uh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, uh, my laptop had a meltdown. Caused me to have a meltdown. <laughs> it's now we're back working. It's just not typing. So that's quite a fundamental part of it. That's not working. Total collapse. But yeah, I was soldiering through. But yeah, I, I, I was kind of very similar when you told me about it. I was a bit. I was it took a wee minute and then was a bit ooh, uh, I'm not sure but I actually kind of upon reflection I don't I think it's okay as as long as it's done in a respectful and tasteful manner it's kind of it's it is something that's done before lots of difficult issues have been addressed in this sort of way I I thought about you know the graphic novel mouse I don't but go on um all oh, right it was about the it's a graphic novel um written by the son of two holocaust survivors about the holocaust with oh about with mice de- uh, depicted as jewish people and and nazis as cats and stuff and that was really controversial at the time because it was seen as given artistic license but it's also held up as a modern day classic so uh, there's always going to be a lot of nuance in this and people are going to have different opinions maybe it's not for me i'm was in no way affected by piper alpha maybe it's not for me to comment i don't know but i i don't really have an issue with it as long as it's done in a a safe and yeah, respectful manner. Okay, let me dig into it and I'll get Ed's thoughts on this as well in a little bit. Let's just make some progress. So, yeah, I think the the author, Ian Maloney, was, was very kind of cognizant of exactly those kinds of concerns. So he was eight when Piper Alpha took place. He's from Aberdeen. His dad's a fireman, mum's a nurse. I don't think they were directly involved in the incident, but certainly they were very aware of it. And he was, you know, by, 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 that, by that similar token, very aware of it as it was going on. Most people in Aberdeen who went through it, even if, if they weren't on offshore or they weren't involved in the industry, most people will tell you that they remember the sound of the many, many choppers overhead uh, coming across the city as that was happening. And obviously we didn't have the things like the internet uh, back then. So people were only getting uh, news kind of drip fed through, if you like, and there was a lot of kind of awareness. Something was going on, didn't know what. Um, and anyway, so Ian Maloney, uh, he, he said he, this idea first came up with this publisher uh, about doing a novel, and his immediate answer was, no, I'm not the right person to tell this tale. It's been done factually. It's been done very well already in that regard. I wasn't on board. This isn't one for me. And he kind of ruminated with that a wee bit. And then he came across this other idea of perhaps doing a fictionalized character and diving into post-traumatic stress disorder, which wasn't well understood at the time of Piper Alpha. And we had, I think we had Lockerbie, the Gulf War, Hillsborough, Piper, I think they were all around about the same time. And they all kind of led to, um, you know, in 88, 89, which kind of led to a development of the understanding of PTSD as we know it. So this book, it's a look at 30 years of how this fictionalized character and his family were affected by, well, it's kind of before Piper and then the event of Piper, which is one chapter of the book, and then it's the the years following Piper Alpha and, and looking across that, and indeed the impact to Aberdeen as a city as well. And the book is called In the Shadow of Piper Alpha. So, as I say, the the, the actual event, the night of uh, Piper Alpha, that's just one chapter. The, the, the rest is very much looking at the, the PTSD angle, and I think that's how they managed to he's managed to justify this and kind of going for this kind of tasteful, respectful angle, but also, you know, the, the, the design of the fictionalized character is to be able to also, you know, create some fiction and, 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 you know, work within the work within that. So 
I mean, we've spoken to people who've been on, who who were on Piper Alpha, and people whose you know fathers were on Piper Alpha and survived, but then you know suffered PTSD. It has it has been something what we've written about in the past that people have said has been kind of an underserved angle to that tragedy is that people, you know, be that the care service, I don't know, but that certainly there's been this feeling that perhaps the the lingering impacts on people's mental health for, as a result of having experienced this, perhaps were not so well served uh, at the time. As I said, PTSD was was not very well understood, uh, as I understand it. So um, I guess, you know, the, the other point that uh, Ian said to me when, when, I, when I was talking to him about this book, um, as I said, he was pretty reluctant about writing it, uh, but he said, you know, it's still very raw in Aberdeen. It is raw in Aberdeen, just like Dunblane is or Lockerbie or, or, or Hillsborough. It, it's still very much within living memory and, and people people can get hurt if, if this isn't done right. So, But unlike those events, outside Aberdeen anyway, uh, his argument partly was that Piper Alpha isn't that well known uh, compared to some of those others, uh, you know, like a Hillsborough, for example. And that's as good a reason as any to do this. So I, I, maybe that's one to ask you guys about. I mean, before you went into to energy, before you set foot in Aberdeen, how well, how familiar were you or not with Piper Alpha? I mean, it's not bad if you are or not, but you know, just I'm curious to to test Ian's theory here. Yeah, I, I think I think that sounds quite reasonable, actually. I mean, I think you know, like clearly since joining Energy Voice, you know, there's been I've, I've become much more aware of it, right? I mean, I sure. think obviously I've been. Uh, you know, in 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 the space for a bit longer than than, than I've been at Energy Voice, but and so I did I did know about it, but I think yeah, if you if you if you polled you know a sort of a cross section of society outside of Aberdeen, as you say, people would generally not know, um, or or would or would know less about it, mm. and so I, I mean I think I I think that it's 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 a it's a good sort of point to make to say look there is a point there is there is a way in which fiction can help raise awareness of things and i think you know clearly there's kind of a question of, of tastefulness um which i think is is, is obviously a, a, a sort of a, a, a sort of a hard line to, to draw sometimes but i think looking at it through this lens i mean i i, th I think i mean I, I think it sounds quite quite sort of uh, reasonable mm. and, I, and 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 I, and i think also that, that in general you know that it's it's hard to say that events should be off limit from from fiction from literature from art um, because you end up with a sort of a, a, a real challenge where it, it just becomes increasingly hard to sort of see the see, see the way forward. So, I mean, I I I think yes, it's it's about it's about tone, it's about nuance, it's about taste. But I um, yeah, I think I think it sounds like a like a quite an interesting way to do it. I'm uh, I'll, I'll I'll look forward to it. Maybe we can get a, a copy for the office. Well, indeed, yeah. Let's let's see what we can do. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Uh, and and obviously we've had. We've obviously had, you know, his, well, it's a whole genre historical fiction, isn't it? I mean, people uh, have, have always kind of created um, works or novels around um, uh, historic events. I mean, obviously, I guess the World Wars um, are, are, are clear things we can point to. You know, we've got you know, the, the Titanic is one of the biggest uh, box office uh, movies of all time. Obviously, the events uh, surrounding that are kind of fictionalized around the actual tragedy itself. We had... Uh, Mark Wahlberg's Deepwater Horizon film, which I've not seen, which I guess might be one of the clearest parallels we might draw here. Um, I think I've, I've heard anecdotally that it wasn't very uh, historically accurate. I'm sure, I believe I read that BP actually challenged uh, the depiction of the of the film. I'm not sure in the legal case, but certainly issued a statement. Uh, and obviously, uh, another thing that you might point to is 9-11. Uh, 
that's another kind of major uh, tragedy that uh, is certainly within recent memory, and there's been, uh, I guess, a plethora of, of, of fiction created around that. Uh, the angle, as you say, that, that what Ian's taken there, I think, is, is certainly the right one. And, uh, yeah, he's made a concerted effort here to, to be... Um, yeah, to, to, to be respectful, but also to create this work of fiction and, and ultimately try to tell the story and the feedback that he's had. Uh, he tells me in a way he has done um, various events with people who, have, you know, I was on Piper Alpha, you know, people who were in Edinburgh and, or, or Glasgow or indeed Aberdeen and, and told him he was on Piper Alpha. And the feedback has, has generally been good, good for you telling this story and keeping it alive. And I think that's a valid point. The last thing I maybe should mention uh, you know, I, obviously within this, I asked him, you know, what do you think about the legacy of, of Piper Alpha with respect to health and safety uh, offshore? And obviously he's not a lawyer. He's not a he's not an offshore worker. Um, but obviously even, you know, he's aware of the the recommendations of the Cullen Inquiry um, and the, the impact that's had on HSE. And he, he kind of said, um, you know, it, it winds them up a bit when you hear people talk about health and safety gone mad and that kind of stuff. Because when you... I guess when you go back to a time when we didn't have the Cullen Inquiry recommendations, when you didn't really have much of a, a strong HSE culture in a very hazardous industry, this is exactly what can happen when it goes wrong, you know? So people saying HSE gone mad, well, sometimes it's pretty stringent for a good reason, you know? So um, yeah, really interesting guy. I've not, I've not read the book. I've started reading it, but I've not finished it. So um, I, I, won't, I won't give you my full review. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting chat. And I recommend uh, everyone have a wee look at that story when we pop it up uh, next week. So uh, we'll move on from that one for now, but we'll stick with the North Sea and uh, Hamish's story about a, a newcomer cornerstone coming on the scene. Drager Marine and Offshore's Aberdeen Hub is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week and is the safety equipment centre of excellence for all North Sea operations. Drager is a key safety provider of bespoke training courses such as working in confined spaces or at height, authorised gas testing and hundreds of others, all tailored to you and your needs. From our Aberdeen Hub, we offer higher equipment plus onshore and offshore servicing and the very latest safety solutions such as rescue equipment, breathing and respiratory support, drug and alcohol solutions, gas detection and PPE. And all built for you, whether you work in oil and gas, decommissioning or a smooth move to clean energy. We have been operating for over 130 years and are ready to help you with your safety needs. Download an FPS or higher catalogue from our website at drager.com. That's D-R-A-E-G-E-R.com. Or call us on plus four four zero one two two four seven zero one five six nine. Drager, your partner in safety. Okay, Hamish, you've been catching up with this company uh, Cornerstone last week. Tell us a bit more about what they're up to. Yeah, Cornerstone Resources, a uh, relatively new player on the scene, but with uh, more expertise behind it than many competitors and more established players, I'd argue. Uh, so yeah, a bit of background first on Cornerstone. It was launched uh, by Peter Young in 2017. He put his own uh, cash into the business. Uh, where did he get that from, you might ask? Well, he also founded Southern North Sea operator IOG behind the uh, Saturn Banks development, which has been having a few issues recently, I think it's fair to say, but is slowly but surely getting uh, towards full gas in the Southern North Sea. 
See, I spoke to Peter last week. Uh, he said it was quite an interesting comment, saying the opportunities in the Southern North Sea now are uh, very similar in some respects to when he founded IOG, and that was more than a decade ago now. Um, so you might interpret that perhaps the basin hasn't moved on since then, but uh, he said it was more that uh, the need for gas is there, a lot of licenses are due to come up in the region, and uh, the price of gas is pretty good. Uh, so now, since 2017, Cornerstone has grown. Uh, some team members have started funding the company with, uh, as Peter said, hard cash as well as some deferrals of their commitments. A back, quick background on some of them. We've got John McMurty, the company's chief financial officer. He previously worked for IOG as well. Enquest uh, and Jadestone. Former Ithaca Energy CEO, chief executive as well, Ian McKendrick. He's uh, mm. part of the holds. A, he also holds a senior role at Total Energies. Uh, he sits on the company's board as a non-exec. So yeah, a real kind of wealth of talent behind it. A lot of expertise from some pretty big North Sea players, uh, which I think is what Cornerstone wants to become eventually. So along that vein, mm. it recently bought up a handful of assets from Painted Wolf Resources. Um, it's understood they are assets that were at one point held by Conoco Phillips. Uh, and a few months ago, Painted Wolf said that they should never have left them behind. Um, but Painted Wolf now sold them, so <laughs> so <laughs> not all that, but that's true. Uh, so yeah, Block 473F in offshore licensing, P2433, that well-known one. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, that one of one of the a pod favorite there. Think about it all day, every day. Yeah, P two four. Ah, see, I've lost <laughs> it already. Never mind. But it does contain that the Baker Prospect uh, lies to the north of blocks already owned by Cornerstone. Now Baker is part of the Carnaby Prospect and a small extension of Abbey, which is the firm's flagship discovery. Works on uh, on going to kick on with the development of that, and they're very uh, Cornerstone very close to submitting a field development plan. Peter said with plans to bring it on stream in twenty twenty four. So yeah, a couple of years away, but a lot and a lot could ha- obviously happen between now and then. But you know, good time to be hitting the market. I think should be good for consumers too, uh, in terms of bills. You'd hope. Um, and yeah, talks are ongoing to secure a rig to drill the three wells on the fields. I think negotiations are at an advanced stage and an announcement's due pretty soon, so we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, and yeah, a raft of other announcements that Peter teased as well that are also coming down the line. So yeah, interesting to see a, a newish player plotting out its course in the basin. Want to keep uh, keep tabs on, I think, and uh, especially with a good management team behind it. Yeah, the, the Southern North Sea is a really interesting one, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's interesting that he mentions that things are haven't changed much since he kind of was, was last operating in, in the region. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, uh, well, this just today as we record, we had uh, Shell and, and, and Deltic Energy announce a rig for their Pensacola uh, exploration target. It's going to be one of the biggest, highest impact exploration wells to be drilled in the Southern North Sea for years. I mean, people have been talking about this kind of untapped resource here it's been kind of overlooked for the you know the the more prolific central or northern north sea or indeed west of shetland which is a different kettle of fish altogether but um yeah i think i think there's a, a suspicion that you know companies like conoco phillips they mentioned um have perhaps seen you know basically decided that uh, some of these uh, assets or prospects weren't really worth their while um and then we've got these smaller players coming in working them up 
and looks like they might hopefully have a bit of success uh, and maybe give it a, a second wind. And and then yeah, as you as you say, Hamish, the market is there right now clearly, um, and we've had you know we've had companies talk about the the impact of the British energy security strategy, the impact of well the the windfall tax is another thing, but we do have some investment incentives. So for new players trying to drop capital um, for some of these pros- projects, that could actually help. So. Yeah, the Southern North Sea uh, could be getting its yeah its, its second wind here, and it's kind of it's good to see some activity coming back, particularly as we wind away from COVID and things of that nature. So yeah, this is quite encouraging to see. I'd say definitely. And no, just on that windfall tax point, I did ask Peter about what he thought. Obviously, it's likely to favour them more than it is a number of uh, a number of other companies in the basin. And he said that even though it was only announced to what a month or so ago, that they've already had a uptick in interest with companies looking to partner with them on their developments. Um, so that's quite an interesting, I suppose, benefit, depending on which way you see it, but a, a benefit of, of the uh, the measures that have been brought in. And he was, generally, I think he seemed quite upbeat about them, but obviously with the cornerstone being poised to splash quite a lot of cash, they're obviously going to be uh, rather more supportive of investment relief than those who have just started or have just brought on producing fields. So it's quite interesting to see that juxtaposition though, between between companies. It is, it is indeed. Okay, so, well, look, uh, Ed has got a hard out, so I'm blaming him for cutting this short. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, though I think, I think we've, 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 we've got it there. So uh, good to have the full compliment back, guys. Uh, so thank you to Ed and Hamish for joining me. I've been Alistair Thomas, and thank you for listening. Out Loud is the podcast from Energy Voice, leading the global energy conversation. Bookmark and subscribe to energyvoice.com, sign up to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for expert analysis and insight right across the energy sector. Subscribe to Out Loud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do encourage colleagues and friends to listen to Out Loud too. If you've enjoyed it, leaving a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts, helps others discover it too. Thank you.